Amen. Amen, Lord. There isn't a grave that can hold us believers down. Just like there wasn't a grave that could hold our Lord down. Because He lives, we can live also. Oh, great. How great you are, O oh Lord. To know we have eternal life. We're going to spend it with you in the kingdom of heaven forever. We're going to do whatever you tell us to do. We're going to worship every time we see your face and even beyond. We're going to love you for eternity. And you're going to love us. Blessed be your holy name, O God. Father, to you be the glory. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated, everybody. I'll tell you what, that song puts me back in the 1970s. <laughs> you know what, that's the way that the Jesus movement was going around, and people were getting saved left and right, and that was kind of like the style of the music. And I'll tell you what, the people were crying and weeping and singing in tongues and, you know, falling before the Lord, and fire was upon every one of them going out there preaching the gospel. And I'll tell you, what a time that was. I long for that today. And preachers on the radio and TV are preaching this today. You know, they want, um, they want the Lord to come back and the excitement and the zeals coming back, I believe, to America and hopefully the church as a whole, not just one or two here and there, but as a whole, the whole universal church of Christ. And, um, you know, the songs today were appropriate, Lewis. Thank you very much. Even the first song, you know, Break Every Chain. You know, I worked on Matthew chapter 20, the first 20 verses of that chapter this week, and I had to put it aside. I had to put it aside because God wanted me to move into a different subject. And um, I did. And um, it's a tough subject. It's a subject people don't like to hear, but it's something that needs to be preached from the pulpit. You know, it needs to be preached. It, the, the subject is deliverance. The subject is deliverance, and that's going to be there today. And we're going to go through Mark chapter 5, the first, I think it's 16 verses. And um, I'm going to explain deliverance. We have to know that we have been delivered from, from the penalty of sin, from eternal death, from devils, from strongholds that we have in our lives. For those online, I had to say that first while well, it was fresh in my spirit, but you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani, and we're glad you're there. I mentioned earlier in the, the first, we get a whole new crew of people watching on, online, you know, at, uh, after the worship's done. Um, and I have to tell you who, who we are. So we're Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. You know, we're here every, every Sunday at 10 a.m. We stream live, even around the world, um, and uh, we're glad that you're out there. We're going to take communion today, so I wanted to warn you up ahead of time, um, you know, to go get yourself a piece of bread and, and some uh, uh, juice and have communion with us, whether you're in Australia or Africa or right here in Boynton Beach or Lantana, Florida, you can have communion with us. But first, I want to tell you, since you're online, this is Freedom Church in the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani, and, and I wanted to tell you, on our website there, you can see what we believe in. 
It's all about Jesus here. That's what I want. It's not about politics. It's not about this or that. It's about Jesus Christ, him dead, buried, risen, and the third day according to the scriptures. That's what it's about. So you can go online, read our beliefs. You can find our address. You can see our list of ministries. You can watch services from years back. And we, you can even give online, should the Lord uh, lead you to. You know, um, the churches, whether it's this church or any church, right now their, their income is not where it used to be. The devil snuck in there and, and ripped apart the church. And, uh, and of course, that, that uh, financially hurt just about every church. But you know what? You need to get back to church if you're a Christian. Or the devil will take you down. Because he's sly. He's been around here for thousands of years. You've been here, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, maybe 150. You don't know what he can do. He can deceive you and trick you. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, through him, we can discern what is truth and what is error. So, so it's important um, that um, the church teach the whole gospel of Christ. Not just back off because you're afraid a few people might leave or you might not get as much tithe and offerings. No, it's about teaching the word of God. You just have to trust that God's going to meet our needs, and that's why there's boxes in the back, and we've never taken an offering. So for, on, for those of you online, Every Sunday, tune in, grab your friends or neighbors or children, and, uh, and watch a service with us. Or if you're local, come on by, 2810 High Paluxo Road, Lantana, Florida, 33462. We're a quarter mile west of I-95 on, on High Paluxo Road, and we're on the north side of the road. That makes it Lantana. South side of the road is Boynton Beach. So come on by if you're, if you're there. And for men, we don't stream this. But we have a men's Bible study every Saturday at 9 a.m., and it is an awesome study. We're not tickling the ears of people that come by. We're teaching deep stuff here, whether it be in this pulpit or in the men, you know, in the men's group. So come on by if you're local. And um, that's about all I have to say. So we're going to get into our message uh, today. Oh, well, no, we're going to go into communion. I'm sorry. Theron's going to come up pass out the communion, or, or Brian and Theron, and there are two deacons. Uh, so um, I'm going to turn to Matthew chapter 26. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Matthew 26, and I'm going to read a few verses. It's important that that we do this because Jesus said to do it in remembrance of me. It's important that every church remembers Jesus. And, and he, he did this to tell us that we're supposed to think of him often, all the time, really, in breakfast, lunch, and dinner. When you bite into your toast and when you drink from your cup of coffee, you're to remember Jesus every day, 24-7, 365 and a quarter days every year, all the days of your life. Because you were lost and he found you. You were dead and he gave you life. And a whole bunch of other things that he has given to you. So, you know that Jesus turned the Old Testament really into the New Covenant. The Old Covenant is now the New Covenant that Jesus made. Now, God took all the wrath 
all of the wrath of sin, past, present, future, and played it on his son. John chapter 12 tells us that there, there, is, there is now, let me read it to you. I'll read it to you. Uh, John chapter 12. And I've, if you've been to this church, I've, I've talked about this many times. John chapter 12. I should have put a marker there so I could get there faster. And verse 31. Now judgment has come into the world. The ruler of this world will be casted, cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself. Now, a lot of your Bibles say, people, men, I will draw all men, and I will draw all peoples to myself. That is not in any manuscript that is from antiquity. The word men or people is not in any manuscript. That means it was added by the translators. This, this book, this verse is telling you the context is judgment. The context now is judgment come into the world. And the ruler of this world is being cast out. If I be lifted up from the earth on the cross, I will draw judgment to myself. That's what that verse means. And that's what Jesus did. He instituted the new covenant and he drew all the wrath of sin on upon, from past, present, from Adam and Eve's sin all the way up to the last person that sins. He drew it unto himself. And that's why the Father had to turn his face. Jesus, who spent eternity with his Father, now was left alone because the Father couldn't look at that sin. So that's what this is about. Jesus, this, he changed the Old Testament of, of wrath. He turned it into the New Covenant of love. He loved you so much that he came and died for you. For God so loved the world you know that. And not only did he talk about it, he demonstrated it. He modeled it for us. He didn't just speak the words. You know, I don't know about you, but you know the words of Jesus are actually truth. And when he speaks it, it's truth. And it, has, it is done. So when, when Jesus is instituting the new covenant here, the old covenant of wrath and sin and death is now covering it covenant of grace and mercy and peace and the love of God. So Jesus in John chapter 12 verse 23 Jesus answered them saying the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified most assuredly I say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies it remains alone but if it dies it produces much grain. That's talking about being born again there people, and I don't have time to get into that. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. For where I am, I've lost my place. For where I am, there my servant will also be. 
You know what? That's the passage I, just above. I was reading out of John instead of Matthew where it was supposed to be. In, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, that's easy to remember if you want to remember the Last Supper. Matthew 26, 26, that's the address. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood for the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. See, your sins have been removed. And it all the judgment of that sin went on Jesus on the cross, and you are clean. You are clean. Jesus took it all. But Jesus rose the third day because he was sinless, and sin had no dominion over him, and that's what we sang about. And he rose from the grave. And since he rose from the grave, you can rise too by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. That's it. It's not about... You're a deacon in the church. It's not about an elder. It's not about a pastor. It's not about an evangelist. It's about uh, everybody receiving Christ as their Savior. And that's it. You get to heaven by Christ, not by your good works. Titus even said it. He saved us not on the basis of the deeds that we have, have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration, renewing by the Holy Spirit. You've been washed clean. By the blood of the Lamb, which we sang about here today. Beautiful. So as we partake of this, this was the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The living God dwelt among us in the person of his Son, Jesus. Let's partake together, remembering and our judgment is on the cross. It was put on Jesus, and now we're clean because he's clean. Let's partake together. And after he gave the bread, he took the cup, and he gave thanks to God, which we do, we do today. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus who came into our life. We thank you for revealing him to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we remember him today as we drink from this cup. We remember this is holy blood. And we're doing this and drinking of this cup in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's drink together. Amen. Amen. What a great God we have, huh? I'm going to be quoting this verse a little later. It's Psalm 86, 5. Any of you ever heard of Jack Hayford? Jack Hayford passed away last month. He was like, I don't know, I, I was at a seminar he did up in West Palm Beach. Powerful guy. Talked with him. Loved the Lord with all his heart. Uh, he just passed away last month. and I think it was like the 13th or 23rd or something like that. But this morning I was reading his devotional, and this verse is going to bring up, hopefully I'm going to bring it up a little later. For you, Lord, are good and every and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all who call upon him. See, 
He was abundant in mercy to all of us that called upon him as we remembered what he did on the cross. He's good, and he's abundant in mercy. The Lord's loving kindnesses, indeed, they never cease. They're new every morning, and great is his faithfulness to us. Theron has some papers I have him pass out. Is he still here? Did he pass them out yet? He's coming down the aisle. We sang Break Every Chain. We sang about deliverance from, from, uh, you know, from the last song we did. You know, and uh, today, I was saying earlier, for those that weren't on the first part of this program, I started out in Matthew chapter 20 and ended up in Mark chapter 5. The message that I put together, which was complete, by the way, I had to go do another message. There are a few things with that other message I need to straighten out. But while I was putting it together, like right towards the end of it, I'm there like, this isn't right. And all of a sudden, what really has been on my heart lately, and the church needs to hear, and it's one of those giant words in Scripture, deliverance. It's a giant word. A lot of people hear deliverance and go, hey, you aren't supposed to fear anything. You have been delivered. Learn about it. The truth will set you free, but you have to know the truth. Because if you don't know the truth, you, how can it set you free? Because you can't claim it. You can't, you can't uh, quote it. Deliverance is one of those giant words. It's about getting rid of demons. I'm not talking about possession here. I think possession needs to be removed, that word. There are people that are possessed. I'm going to show you something from Mark chapter 5 here today, that the demoniac that had 2,000 demons, says the Scriptures, he was, he, when Jesus got out of the boat, he, he started towards Jesus and began to worship him. That's the man. That's the soul of that man. Then the demons took over. What do I have to do with you? What do you have to do with us? Oh, Jesus, the Son of God, which we're going to read. I've got to get into that in a little bit after I lay the foundation here. The Word of God in Psalms 32, and you heard it and know it, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. To be released from spiritual bondage. And don't tell me you don't have any bondage. Because I'm going to call you a liar. And I know that's a hard word. Every one of us has a stronghold from the devil. You aren't possessed. You have a stronghold. Maybe it's your mouth. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, drugs or alcohol. It could be anything. People think, well, the tongue, that's, that's no big deal. Well, the Word of God says that the tongue is the most evil of your body, and it directs the course of your life. James chapter 3, verse 6. So don't tell me you're lying. We, you know, we, um, I don't know if I read that scripture here today or it was in the songs we sang, but no, I think it's in, we're going to be bringing it up later, twice. It tells us in a few scriptures in Deuteronomy that it is an abomination. And it talks about lying, a lying tongue, and a liar. 
is an abomination. Twice he repeated that in one couple verses. Lying is a big deal. So, every one of us have a stronghold. You are not possessed. The devil has a stronghold in you. There's no doubt about it. Otherwise, you'd be taken home, I believe. The devil does not own you, people. He did come to steal and destroy your peace, which in turn will destroy your witness for Christ. He will do that. You know what John said in John chapter 10. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. It's important to remember throughout the deliverance process that you have been born again. You've been born again. You're no longer, the soul man should be no longer ruling your life. The spirit man that came to life in you, the triune being, the, the father, you know, the, the, body, the spirit, soul, and body listed in Thess, 2 Thessalonians 5.9, or is it 1, 1 Thessalonians 5.9? Your body, soul, and spirit. Your spirit came alive. Your spirit is supposed to be in charge of the soul man and to lead you in the ways of God. You're born again by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You are Jesus' property. You are not owned by the devil. You are Jesus' property. He promised that he would not lose one sheep. He came and got me out of the miry pit. I could look around this room, and I know a lot of your stories, and they drew you, he drew you out of the miry pit. And over the eight and a half years that we've been here, I could think of dozens of people that he drew out of the miry pit. You know why he did that? Because he loves you. He wants you to be delivered from the enemy that took you out of the fold to begin with. You're Jesus' property. He paid for you at the cross. He paid the price. And he will not lose one of his sheep. You are going to heaven. You might have a lying tongue. But you're saved by the blood of the Lamb. But you need to work on that lying tongue. That's a stronghold the devil has in your pit. You know what? In warfare, in World War II, when, when the... When the soldiers, American soldiers, ran into a Japanese machine gun nest, they threw a hand grenade in there. They'd get as close as they could, and they'd take the guy that had the strongest arm and throw the hand grenade into that machine gun pit. Well, you know, your hand grenade is the blood of Christ. You just throw it at the devil, and he can't stand it. He's got to go. He's looking for a way out. You'll see these demons that were we're going to read about Jesus. They just wanted to get away from him. And they wanted to make sure they weren't going to be thrown into the dark place and held in spiritual bondage of darkness. That's called the bottomless pit. They wanted to go into the, the pigs, and they did. It's also important to remember, not this that you were born again, that you're Jesus' property, and he won't lose any of his sheep, and that you're going to heaven. It's also important to remember that while you are here on earth, although you cannot be demon-possessed, demons can have a stronghold within your person. 
Because Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He comes to steal your joy. He cannot, listen, he cannot steal your salvation. You were paid with a price, the heavy price, the blood of Christ. And you have been delivered. But you have to sometimes, as we walk through this life, we call it backsliding. But you know what you're doing? You're opening doors for the enemy to come in and set up a nest, a machine gun nest. Only it's a nest of lies and deception that he sets up for you. He cannot steal your salvation. What demons can do to saints, demons can, demons enter and establish a stronghold as, and he comes as an unwanted squatter. He comes uh, not as a guest of the owner. He comes as an intruder. And if you let him, if you know if an intruder walks into your door and he's going to rob the place, and you just open the door and let him in and say, okay, go ahead. That isn't what you're supposed to do. What do you do? You call the police. Well, the police of God is the blood of Christ. And he's going to come after them. He comes as an intruder, and you need to tell him that he's got to stay out in the name of our Lord Jesus. These sheets you have here is not all the material that I have here today, but it's an outline that can help you along the way with this. Because the church doesn't, for the most part, doesn't teach this. You can't, everybody thinks, well, a demon can't, a, a Christian can't have a demon. You're not possessed, but you can have a stronghold. Why do you think we have ministries that help the people that have drug problems, alcohol problems, adultery problems, and, and money problems, because they have a stronghold from the enemy? You can't walk this earth without running into the devil. And as one, many pastors have said, and I've said it myself from the pulpit, if you walk this life and don't run into devils, you're probably walking in the same direction he is. You need to turn around and go the other way. Because you should be bumping heads with the devil. Some people bump heads a lot more than others. We have a lot wrong with us, especially the people that come out of the drugs and alcohol and, and sexual immoralities and stuff like that. Some people think, well, a lie and tongue, no big deal. I'll just tell this little white lie on the telephone. Let them think that I have, um, I am with my kids today, but I'm lying because I'm not going to be with them and I don't want to go with them. That little white lie is a lie. And that little white lie crucified Jesus. There is no white witches. All witches are black as coal. Black as coal. He's an invader and he's an enemy. He has no right there unless you open the door. And a lot of people open the door willingly. I could tell you things from people that told me, but I, I won't because I, I don't want to. I just, I, they open the door and they know they open the door. It's time to close the door. 
you give him an open door by serious and unprotected sin. God's word on deliverance. Let me give you some passages here. Then we'll get into Mark chapter 5. It shall come to pass, this is Joel, Old Testament, chapter 2, verse 32. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant that the Lord calls. And you are called by the Lord. You are the remnant. And he provides deliverance for us. Matthew chapter 13, now chapter 6 and verse 13. And do not let me be led into temptation, which means our own lusts. Here's what that, let me, let me lengthen that verse for you. And do not let me be led into temptation by the lusts of my flesh, the lusts of my eyes, and the boastful pride of life. It sounds like Jesus is leading us into temptation. No, we lead ourselves into temptation because you interpret Scripture by Scripture. And, and 1 John 2, 15, 16 tells you the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the boastful pride of life. They're not from the Father. They're from the enemy. Don't, God doesn't lead us into temptation. It actually goes in the next verse. Jesus says, but deliver us from the evil one. That should, that should clarify it. Jesus is going to deliver you from the evil one if you call upon him. For he has the power, he has the glory, he should get the glory, and he is, and he is the, uh, the power and the glory in the kingdom forever. Okay, Mark chapter 16, verse 17, which a lot of scholars hate this verse. They, they cover it up in their Bible. It is in the manuscripts, not all of them, but it is in the manuscript. As far as I'm concerned, if it shows up in all the manuscripts from antiquities one time, and it becomes Scripture. It becomes the canon of Scripture at that point. And these verses are in the canon of Scripture. Some, not all of them. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. And it goes on and on. Listen. Deliverance is casting a demon out. No, you're not possessed. You have a stronghold. The blood of Christ will take that stronghold out if you apply it and close the door. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kind of sicknesses and diseases. That stronghold was established in you by disobedience to God. You know you weren't supposed to do drugs, but you did them anyhow. Then you got hooked on crack. You know you shouldn't drink like a fish, but you did. And now you're an alcoholic. You know you shouldn't be looking on your computer at the pornography things, but you do it anyhow. Every time you do that, you open a door. The devil gets a stronger hold in your life. Listen, you want to see pornography, just turn on the TV. It's not heavy pornography, 
but it's practically there. Go to the grocery store and look at the magazines on the shelf right before your eyes. Half-naked women or men that women like. I'm going to read now Mark or chapter 5, the first 20 verses. Then they came, that's Jesus and his disciples, to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often bound, he was often bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus, Listen, this is the man. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Yes, tells us he's possessed by a demon. He had lots of demons, as we well know, because it's explained in other Gospels. This is written in three of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We know that there's 2,000 demons here. He must have opened the door, kept on opening the door, kept on opening the door, kept on opening the door at least 2,000 times so that these demons could come in. And now he's to the point where he can no longer exist. But here he sees Jesus. Something in him, his spirit that God created. Spirit, soul, and body, 1 Thessalonians 5. Body, soul, and spirit. His spirit knew who this man was. He obviously heard of Jesus. Maybe his family told him, we've got to bring you to Jesus or get Jesus to come to you. Somehow he heard about Jesus. But he, his spirit, was saying, i got to get to Jesus. Just like that woman with the fringe, touching the fringe of Jesus' garment. He said, i got to get to them. Then the devil takes over. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him, and he cried out in a loud voice. Now the demons take over. What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you cannot, do not torment me. First of all, they already knew they were in trouble. For he said to them, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is your name? And he answered and saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. He also, also he begged him earnestly that they would not send him out of the country, that Jesus wouldn't send him away out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there nearby in the mountains, so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirit went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, there's your answer, 2,000 demons. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fled, fed the swine fled and told what in, in the city and in the country, and they went out to see 
what it was that had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the one who had been demon-possessed had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. They were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. And they begged to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into a boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. And Jesus said to did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and marveled. The man cried out. Then the demon spoke. See, the man's still alive in there. His spirit's still there. It's just been overtaken by 2,000 demons that he obviously let in. This is a true story. This is the word of God. Don't tell me did Pastor Joe's off on some tangent or something. No, this is the word of God. It's written in three Gospels. Deliverance is shown throughout the gospel. I just read passages in Joel, Matthew, Mark. And there's more, plenty more. It's time America wake up. America has a demon. They have many demons, just like Babylon had a, a, a demon over that city. And Daniel was praying against it. And, and, you know, it took 21 days for the answer to come to Daniel. Every city has some kind of air over it from the devil. America has so many problems, it's pathetic. I'd be surprised if we exist not too much longer. Unless we get right and turn back to the Lord. So Jesus rebuked the Spirit. But the Spirit said they knew, they knew who this was before anybody knew. They said, what do we have to do with you, Jesus, the Son of God? And they knew he had authority over them. They actually spoke like, just send us out of the country. But no, Jesus said, he didn't give them permission. But then they said the pigs. And Jesus gave them. Why he did that, I don't know. I don't know. I know I've been in deliverance sessions. And we cast out a demon in this one person. And the demon said to me, don't cast, don't send me to the bottomless pit. Send me into the pigs like Jesus did. If you don't do that, you'll be disobeying the Lord. You know, I told him, I said, the Lord already gave me where to send you. It's Jude chapter 6. Chapter, there's only one chapter, verse 6 or verse 9. I don't remember which one it is. And that's to the bottomless pit the place of darkness. They're bonds of darkness forever until they end up in the lake of fire at the end of all things, just before Satan and the unholy trinity and death to be the last one thrown into the fire. And I'll tell you what, I was disturbed when that demon said that. I might disobeying the Lord, but I had that verse on my heart all night during the deliverance. I had my 
heart on that verse. When I walked into it, I, that verse was given to me by the Lord. And sometimes you know it, but you don't see an opportunity to use it. And then all of a sudden, opportunity prevails itself. He was trying to get me to back off, and I wouldn't back off because the Lord had gave me a word. That happens many times. Not everybody has the gifts of discerning of spirits, and some people have more of a gift of discerning of spirits than others. But deliverance is for people that are desperate. I have an application up here from a young lady that last Sunday was here. This is a 16-page application to go through our ministry. She came over a year ago and took this. Over a year later, she comes back here and hands it to me. I have people that have this thing, and they've come to me, one guy, at least two times, over the first time I gave them an application over 10 years ago. The devil don't want you to fill this out. You know why? He wants to keep his stronghold. But a lot of people that came through that ministry, you know, they were delivered from alcohol, prostitution, sodomy, adultery. Marriages have been saved because they came and threw it upon the Lord. What really bothers me is after God heals them in a little church like this, they leave and go to some other church because they don't want their dirty laundry aired, I guess. I don't know what it is. Or maybe we're just one of those ministries where God sends them in, we, we get them saved, they get discipled and move out. That's going on right now in this church. Somebody said to me yesterday, isn't that a lot of money for you to pay for rent every month? You know what I told them? I said, you got the, uh, your eye on the wrong prize. Your eyes aren't supposed to be on money. It's supposed to be on that soul. And I named a soul. And he backed off right away. Money is nothing. It's going to perish. When I was in Vietnam, the, the government made us own money, separate money for Vietnam. They made the same thing for Korea so that the GIs could spend it. Money is worthless. That's why God says the streets are paved in gold. Listen. What do you have to do then to be delivered? Number one, you better realize some strongholds come from the occult in our ancestry. You don't believe that? Let me read out of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. Verse 4 and 5. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water or under the water. You shall not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation that hate me. That's an ancestral demonic force passing down the ancestral line. Is this stuff too deep for you? I hope not. I really hope not. 
you you quote it every day, or not every day, probably at least every t several times a year. Like father, like son, like mother, like daughter. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You know why? There's demonic forces behind it. Usually if dad's an alcoholic, either one of the kids, all of them, or some of them will be an alcoholic. It's just the way it is. It's ancestral sin passing down the line. And you need to rebuke it. You need to rebuke it and come against it and shut the door. You need to renounce it. I will not accept that cancer that comes down through my family line. Let the doctors test it, but you aren't going to accept it. I don't want it. Do you realize how powerful the blood of Jesus is? Do you realize if we had the faith, like the woman with the 12 issue, the 12, well, you know, the 12 years and the issue of blood, do you realize what it took for her to get into a crowd of people where she was unclean? People were probably screaming at her, unclean, unclean, and she's running up and trying to get up to Jesus just to touch his, the tassel on his, on his hem. Faith, that's faith. And it says in the scriptures, as soon as she touched him, she knew she was healed. And Jesus knew it too, as you well know. Then there's Jairus in the same whole situation. His daughter was just told him his daughter had died after he got Jesus. She was alive. His friends come to him and tell him his daughter's dead, 12-year-old daughter. And Jesus said, just only believe. We need to believe this stuff. This ain't just stuff. This is the word of God. We need to believe it. We need to move our faith from here to here. I sit there and wonder. I've been saved over 43 years. Coming up on 44, or is it 45? I don't remember. But I know the date and all that. But I'm just saying, I really think I deteriorated in faith. I mentioned it many times. I laid hands on blind people, and I thought they were going to see. And they didn't. Today, when somebody comes up to the altar that, that's blind or, or blind in one eye, and I pray for them, I'm there like, I don't know. I have a lack of faith. I pray all the time, Lord, help my unbelief. How can it be that way? When another mature person in me says, oh, come on. That can't be. I think I went the wrong direction. Okay, what demons can do again? Yeah, there's the ancestral line. Some come through personal occult involvement. It's an abominable practice before the Lord. Here's Deuteronomy chapter 18. When thou come into the land, that's the promised land, which the Lord your God will give to you, Thou shalt not learn to do after their abominations. There shall not be found any among you that maketh his son or daughter pass through the fire. That is child sacrifice. America, 62 million babies have been aborted. I believe it's just America on that. 62 million babies. We put our children to the fire. 
And if you've been in my classes before, I told you, Molech, I think he had a, a bull head and a man body, and his arms were out like this, and they heated that, that, that metal up to such a point that they, you know, his hands were red, and they put their babies in the fire. Listen, America's in trouble. That's the God of Molech. That's all written in the Old Testament. He's the God of abortion today. That's what they call him today, abortion. Or of any that use divination or observers of times or an enchanter or a witch. This is talking about people that use Ouija boards and astrology and New Age crystals and Santeria and horoscopes. If you people read horoscopes today, it's an abomination to the Lord. You don't go to a horoscope. You go to God. David didn't go to a horoscope whenever he was going to fight Goliath. He went to God. I hope I'm not. I'm just passionate about this. So, what they can do to you this is some of it they can do to you. There shall not be found among you anyone that makes his daughter pass through the fire or uses divination or observers of times or an enchanter or a witch. Ouija boards, astrology, horoscopes, New Age crystals, Santeria, and the like are not of God. You open the door for devils to come in. And it goes on. Deuteronomy 18, verse 11. Or a charmer, or a counselor, or a consulter with familiar spirits. That's evil spirits, by the way. Or a wizard, or a knockamoner. We're talking about tarot cards here. Fortune telling. Verse 12. For all these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee, thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations which thou shalt possess, hearken unto the observers of the times, and to diviners. And as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee to do. No witches, no diviners, no fortune tellers, no tarot cards. That's the first thing I head to whenever I see that application filled out. I go to the page number that talks about the occult. And right there I can see where we need to focus with this person. What else can hold back? What demons can do to you? They can, they can, if you have unconfessed sin, the devil has a stronghold in you. You've got to get rid of that unconfessed sin. Here, the Lord's Prayer. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive yours. Verse 15. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive you your trespasses. Wow. Unconfessed sin, you need to confess it. Or it will hold your deliverance up. What else? Unforgiveness will hold back your deliverance. Also in the Lord's Prayer, but deliver me from evil. 
And then again, verse 15, if you do not forgive others your trespasses, neither will you be forgiven your trespasses. That holds back occult practices, ancestral lying, unconfessed sin, unforgiveness, and now sinful acts or habits like pornography, lust, watching X-rated movies, Lustful thoughts, idol worship. What else can hold back your deliverance? Lack of repentance. Not admitting that you have this problem. Lack of repentance. You have to have repentance. Godly sorrow produces repentance. And repentance produces salvation. That is 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. You have to repent. Acts 3, 19, and I love this verse, and I use it all, all the time with myself. Repent, therefore, and turn away from your sins, that they may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord. So as you do this, as you repent, a time of refreshing will come in. Lack of desperation for those of you, oh, it's not a big deal if I tell a little white lie. Oh, yes, it is. A lie is a lie. Lack of desperation. Deliverance is for the desperate, I told you. That comes from Derek Prince, if anybody ever knew that. Derek Prince used to say that all the time. Deliverance is for the desperate. That person that filled out the application ten year, over 10 years ago, he's not desperate. He's going to come a time when he's going to be desperate because that's eventually going to catch up with him. Wrong motives. James tells us, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may be consuming on your own lusts. You want to hit the lottery. God could care less about the lottery. You want to be rich. You want to have a Maserati because your neighbor has the Maserati. You know what? Go back to the Ten Commandments. You're not supposed to covet your neighbor's possessions. Self-centeredness. It's all about you. What happened to the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. No, today's generation is a me generation. It's all about me. They don't even care about their parents anymore. And the parents lose sleep every night because their children have turned in the wrong direction. And that's a problem not just for a family, but for America in itself. Failure to break with the occult. If you don't break these things that you love, horoscopes, stargazing, whatever it is, you need to get out of it. Tarot cards, having your palms read by uh, uh, one of those people that do that. I'll tell you what. You, got, you need to get out of that mess. You need to, you need to uh, break with that. You need to renounce it. I renounce that pact I made with the devil. I renounce you, Satan, in Jesus' name. You could be under a curse. That's another thing that can hold it back. But the Word of God is very clear. You have a shield of faith. 
And when the devil throws a fiery dart at you, according to Ryrie's translation of that Bible, you know, he throws a fiery dart at you, it actually it can ricochet and it'll go back on him. I'm going to read that from, from actually Psalm chapter 7. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mis mischief and gives birth to lies. He makes a pit, digging it out, and then he falls into the hole that he made. So when the devil, when somebody throws a curse on you and you claim scripture like Psalm 7 right there, that ricochets and he falls into the ditch, but it was made for you. How about Nehemiah 12.3? You remember this guy named ne uh, Balaam? Balaam was told by his king to curse Israel as they came out of Egypt. But here's what God has to say in Nehemiah 13.2. For they did not meet the people of Israel with bread and water as they came out of Egypt, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. Yet, here's what God did. God turned the curse into a blessing. Every time Balaam went to speak a curse, he put a blessing on them. God has the authority. You have the authority in God to throw it back on him. You've got to realize that. I'm convinced the church fears the devil more than they fear God. So I pray. All right. I told you I'm passionate about this subject. Failure to confess a particular sin, like who could, what, could be abortion, adultery, sodomy, pornography, could be anything. But the Bible tells us if we confess our sins, what? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I read that earlier, and I'm going to read it again, Psalm 86, 5. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. He's merciful. James tells us again, James and John both tell us this. Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That word healed is sozo in Greek, and it means delivered, healed and several other meanings. The prayer of the righteous man has great power. What else can hold back your deliverance? Personal weakness when demons attack. We're supposed to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And what fear takes that out. That COVID went through the world and everybody ran in fear. Everybody ran in fear. It's demonic, I'm telling you. It is, it is demonic. It divided families. It took people out. Godly people. It's demonic. But the devil used fear to even split the church. I know a lot of pastors, and the ones I do know, they tell me their churches are still at 40%. Not good. People are fearing. And now they're comfortable sitting at home watching TV. I watched, me and Liz watched David Jeremiah this morning. Usually I do Charles Stanley too. I didn't get to Charles this morning. 
in general, it's a general picture of what I just gave you of persons whose walls have been broken down by the enemy. And it's time to come back. Proverbs 25, 28. He that hath no rule over his spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. How do you get rid of these demons then? Let's go, let me go through it real quick again. Be humble. You know what? God, God says this. God says, humble yourself. He doesn't say for you to pray to him, for him to humble you. He says to you, humble yourself under the mighty hands of God. You're how to get rid of demons. Humble yourself. Be honest. No little white lies. They're abominations to the Lord. Confess faith in Christ. Confess any known sin or, or, or of yourself or any of your ancestries. If you know your, your uh, uncle committed suicide, then pray against it. Cut that curse off. Repent. He that covers his sin will not prosper. That's what the scriptures say. In other words, come back to Jesus. Number six, break any occult contacts. Curses, secrets, oaths, confession, renounce, burn and smash any idols in your house. I know a person that they, they, they found an idol, two idols in their house. They burned the one and smashed the other, and the lady was supposed to be dead in two years. She's now about 15 years past that. Because she got rid of what the Lord showed her to get rid of, and she didn't cherish it because her grandmother gave it to her. She realized it was occultist. She burned it and smashed it, and then, you know, within probably two hours, she was healed completely. Documentation and everything, both ways. And she ministers at this church through this prayer ministry that we have. Stand on the scriptures. Your struggle is not against flesh and blood. <laughs> it's written right in Ephesians 6, you know, it struggles not against flesh and blood, it's against rulers, against powers, against spiritual forces of wickedness, even in heavenly places. And 2 Corinthians, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God. They pull down strongholds. No weapon that the devil throws against a Christian will prosper. Not if you know the scriptures. You hold up your shield of faith. You quote Psalm 7, verse 24 and 25. You're digging a ditch for me. You're going to fall into it yourself. You know, every time you curse me, God's going to put a blessing on me. The curse is going back on you. This is the kind of authority a person has. Yes, we're going to live and we're going to die. It's appointed once for us to die. It's written in the scriptures. It's going to happen unless the rapture comes. And in that case, you're going to die because you're going to be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. You're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air also. Well, it's a win-win. 
Stand on the scriptures, not on what Dear Abby says. What the scriptures say. These are truth. That's what Charles, no, David Jeremiah was preaching on. Truth. Jesus is the truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The Old Testament tells us that God the Father is truth. The New Testament tells us that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are truth. Stand on the truth. The devil threw lies at Jesus in the wilderness. And Jesus just rebuked him, standing on what? The truth. The Word of God. Rebuke and expel demons. God has given us power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. Colossians 1.13, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us to the kingdom of light. Here's some reasons why demons don't move out of your stronghold. Number one, lack of repentance. Lack of desperation. Again, I'm really repeating what I just said. Wrong motives. Self-centeredness. Failure to break with the occult. Get rid of it. That's, that's I'm telling you, that's bad. That demon is going to take you whichever way he wants you to go. Failure to break with the occult. Failure to, se to sever evil, soulish relationships like living with somebody. You need to get married. You're under a, uh, being under a curse can break that, but you have authority. Failure to confess specific sins because you're ashamed of them. Listen, usually the person that, that you're talking to had the same problem. They've just been delivered, usually. Application for those of you on the Internet. I look around here and I see all a bunch of Christians that I, I think. Make Jesus your Lord. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no fancy prayers, just believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and that he's alive. You can put on also, here's the application, put on the garment of praise. Isaiah 61.3 says this, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And then Nehemiah, this is a good one, easy to remember, 8.10, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You have joy in the Lord, you're strong. You know what? David sang, and King Saul was released from demons. Marion sang when she, the, the Israel was delivered from Egypt. She sang, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The, the horse and the rider were thrown into the sea. Praise is important. Paul and Silas sang in the prison in Philippi, and their stocks were broken down, and the doors in the prison were open, not just his doors, the whole prison. Because the joy of the Lord was their strength. King Jehoshaphat did the same thing. When Assyria was marching against them, or Syria was marching against them, they marched around the city. And they sang. And Jehoshaphat put the praise team in front of the army for crying out loud. Now talk about faith. I would have said, what a nutty king if I wasn't a Christian. You don't put the praise team before the, the soldiers. You put the soldiers first, and then you have the praise of the 
team, you know, praising after you win the battle. No, not King Jehoshaphat. He had faith that moved mountains. Not Paul, not Miriam, not Isaiah. We have faith. You need to put on the full armor of God. You're a soldier of Christ, as you well know. You are a soldier of Christ. We forgot that. It's, it's written. Let me read it to you. Paul's talking to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. You, therefore, must endure this hard, the hardship as a good soldier of Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life that he may please the one who has enlisted him as a soldier. You're a soldier. The church has forgot that. That's why I wrote that book back there. You need to live by good morals. Submit to God. And then you resist the devil. You can resist the devil all you want, but if you don't resist, if you don't submit to God, you've got a problem. So get on your knees and plead with your heart for the salvation that's rich and clear in Jesus. And then you've got to get into right fellowship. Right fellowship. And I'll end it here. You've got to get into, under the discipline of a good Bible-believing church. Not somebody that has a performance team up there every week. You think you're at a rock concert. A worship team that really worships. You think Miriam was playing games when she saw the Red Sea close over the Egyptian army and she sang, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider were thrown into the sea. Here's what John says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. You need to be in right fellowship. You know why? Because 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this. Bad friends corrupt good morals. Get lined up with God. Repent of your sins. And then send me an email, joe at freedomchurchpb.org, and tell me you received Christ as your Savior, and you need to be delivered, then we, gotta, we can help you with that. And we praise the Lord. So let's close in prayer, everybody, and you're free to go. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Thank you that you have delivered us from sin and death and so many other things. Father, whatever it is in our lives that we need delivered from, bring it to the forefront and give us the Holy Spirit's power to overcome. For greater is he that's in the world than he that is in us than he that is in the world. We pray in Jesus' name. May you receive the glory. And amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all.